Welcome to the Music Buzz, the podcast where we talk music, pop culture, and current events while we get a good buzz. We're your hosts, Justine Avila and Lauren Brumley. We back. All right. What is up, fam? It's J-Lo here, and there's some buzz in this house. There is some buzz. Today, we're doing some news over brews. Ooh, love to hear it. Lauren, tell the people what we're drinking. We are drinking a pep talk IPA from our friends at Bearded Iris. Delicious beer. It is just bright and fruity and quite honestly delicious. So today we're just going to like riff and talk about all of the music stuff that's been happening the past week. Yeah, there's just been a lot of stuff that's just been going on the past couple weeks in the music world. We're just going to give you a little update and give you our thoughts on what's been happening. Should we kick it off with... I'm scared. I'm really scared. I I can't even say it, but I'm going to say the acronym WAP. WAP? Well, in case you've been living under a rock, our friends Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion released a very controversial tune. And controversial is, I think, subjective in, in this instance, but there's been a lot of reaction to the song itself and then, of course, to the music video. Um, to say the least, as it should follow. So Uh, the, the single came out on August 7th, um, which as we're recording this now was a couple weeks ago or about a week ago, I guess a week. Yeah. Um, I had never seen the video until just a few minutes ago. And obviously I've seen all the tweet reactions. I've seen all the jokes, the memes, the TikTok dances, but I don't know that anything could have really prepared me for what I just saw. (laughs) What, what were the shocking moments, if you don't mind me asking? Butts. <laughs> Just a lot of butts. It is a lot of butts. I mean... And tigers. Wasn't expecting that. I know. Which we should add, Carol Baskin really weighed in, and she was upset because I think it glorified owning exotic animals, which uh, Cardi B responded to. Um, what did Cardi B say? I think she was just defending the song. Overall, that's been <laughs> that's been her stance. But she did say, I'm such a freak that I didn't think it would be a big deal. I didn't think people would think it was so out of this world. So, I mean, just so you know, context and kind of like where Cardi was coming from. She thought it was just going to be another, you know, another thing. Everyone like, would just be like, typical Cardi. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I will say, I know we were talking about this, but... We've had a lot of controversial songs, but the reaction of, of I guess, everyday society and media to this song reminds me of the reaction back in 2008 of that song, My Neck, My Back. I, because I remember in high school, people would play it or whatever it was, and then parents would be like, absolutely not. Turn that off right now. You cannot listen to that. And it yeah. was like the hush-hush underground song that you shouldn't be listening to, but you listen to it anyway. I feel like there's somewhat of a difference because Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are so worshipped by like our tweens and teens right now. Whereas like, was it Khalees that did My Neck, My Back? Yeah. Uh, no, well, I no mean, I'm sorry. Khalees did Milkshake. Oh yeah. Kia? Kia. See, I literally have no idea who that is. I don't either. I, I just know that one song. Yeah. I guess it probably was so much easier for parents and like, all the conservatives of the world to be like back in 2008 or whenever that was. Was that only 2008 that that song came out? Yeah, I thought it was uh, older, Me but too. I had to look it up. It I was feel like I remember listening to it in high school. It was 2008, supposedly. Weird. I think it's from 2002. Oh, whoa. Well, then I'm really r- wrong. Maybe the video. I don't was know. Was there what a I- remix maybe or like a re-release? The, whatever I saw said 2008, but 2002 sounds about right. Yeah. Granted, I was 12 in 2002 and i definitely knew that song right so did your parents have like some sort of reaction were they like absolutely not if i ever my mom did not know i was listening to that at all but i also as a 12 year old didn't know what it meant anyway because also i was listening to the radio edit version of that (laughs) right which was not so explicit it's worth noting that the radio edit version of wap is like because they have to <laughs> cut out every single like verse in yeah. one of the sections there. The whole the- song is cut. <laughs> yeah. I so- did. I saw some funny TikToks of people um, in the caption was like the kids bop writers trying to do a version of WAP. And it was like waffles and pancakes. <laughs> oh my gosh. And they were like writing funny. full verses about it. And it was really funny. 
But I feel like because no one knew who that Kia was, I mean, I'm sure people knew who she was. I didn't. And she wasn't like a super obviously well-known name because we couldn't remember it until we just looked it up. But it's probably easier for parents to brush off a song whereas like Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion are so intertwined in the culture right now where it's like you're trying to take down a way bigger beast like it's just not right gonna happen and um I think I told you this kind of before we started recording but I went I I know Megan Thee Stallion like I know her music but I didn't know her entire catalog and I kind of went down a rabbit hole and then after listening to the song and I was like, whoa, a lot of her lyrics are not PG. They are like rated R slash X. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is like not really anything really different. In yeah, that it's sense. not that off the wall for her and just for rappers in general. And I think a lot of the conversation right now is around how acceptable it is for male rappers to spew all kinds of like vulgar explicit stuff and no one even bats an eye they're just like yeah of course they're rappers it's rap culture but then when the female rappers do it it's a problem and they're it's not even that like yes it's explicit for sure but it's like somebody tweeted this i think and they were like how is it cool for like these rap like male rappers to do full explicit stories of like murdering someone and yet like women expressing how they're comfortable with their sexuality and like female pleasure is like so upsetting to you but like literally killing humans in explicit detail is fine right it's art it's a song right it's it's almost like a double standard at play as well yeah i mean that's 100 percent right and i mean let's be clear too like way back in the 90s jay-z was rapping about like big pimpin yeah exactly Uh, you know sleeping with a bunch of hoes on a yacht so yeah. there's that. I mean, and like if we, uh, this is going a bit on a tangent, but like the the same in other genres, Dave Matthews was singing very explicit lyrics in Crash Into Me. You just got to listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh, this is not yeah. a love song. It's just a little more subtle. He's not using the P word. Right. But, but regardless, it's like the same standard is not being held for the male rappers as it is for Cardi and Megan Thee Stallion. Yeah. And I will say, I, I think the song, one, is a bop, two, the lyrics are just genius. Like, park that Big Mac truck up in my little garage. <laughs> I don't know who wrote that line, but props. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Touched a dangly thing in the back of my throat. Great, Cardi. Justine has <laughs> wrapped that part multiple times since she's been at my house to record this podcast. And I just want to say it's an extremely incredible performance. So. Maybe you guys will see it. We're going to start a TikTok. <laughs> Don't tease the people like that. So that's been, I guess, blowing up because it's been all over the news. We were talking about it. I, I think a lot of senators more on the Republican conservative side have asked that the song be banned and all that good stuff so it's just like why do we need to ban a song just don't listen to it and it's actually like helping the song because it's giving it more press and media yeah it's almost like the backlash was helpful for the song yeah of course any press is good press there you go also another thing i wanted to talk about is obviously like i said i just saw the video for the first time but i had heard that kylie jenner was in the video and there was a lot of hate towards kylie being in the video because there are a bunch of celebs I guess that were kind of doing cameos in the video and Kylie was obviously one of many and Kylie's the only one that wasn't dancing she literally just walked down a hall and opened a door and so everyone was like roasting Cardi and Megan Thee Stallion on Twitter for even having her in the video were they roasting her because she wasn't dancing or were they roasting her because she was the only female of non-color in the video Kind of both. So this was what the specific tweet said. A perfect visual indication of black women having to do the most and white women doing the bare minimum to get somewhere. Comparing Kylie, who was just opening the door, to Normani, who was literally dancing her butt off, killing it. And Cardi B responded to it and since deleted it. But her response was, Normani is one of the best female artists that dances like she dances her ass off. Why would she open a door? So basically she was like, Kylie has been really nice to me and like my family. And so I wanted her to be in the video, but like she doesn't dance. So I had her do this thing and Nomani does dance and I wanted her to show her talent. So she's doing this thing. Right. And she basically said, it's not about, there are a lot of things that are about race for sure. And like, I'm very vocal about those things, but this is not one of them. Yeah. Which like, I understand both sides of that. On one side, I'm like, why is Kylie even there? She's literally not doing anything, but hang on. Let me play devil's advocate. On the other side of that, 
Drake's music video just came out and he has Kevin Durant in there. Like they're shooting hoops for laugh now, cry later. And like Kevin Durant has no business being in a music video, but like he's there. And also it brings more clout to your video because then people are talking about, look who was in this video. Right. Exactly. And I'm sure they're friends. So I'm sure he was like, yeah, of course I'll do this. And the same with Kylie and Cardi B. Who cares? Exactly. Because I think Travis and Cardi B's man are friends. Offset. Offset. Yeah. 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 So it makes sense. Like they're all at parties together. Like they They run in the same circles. Yeah. So I just thought that was funny. But I liked that Cardi B snapped back and was like, no, 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 no. Don't come for her. Like, I asked her to be on this video. I like that. Yeah. She deleted it, but still. Still. It's right <laughs> or die day. there. So, Lo, are you up on Dominique Fike yet? Oh, you know I am. So, I just watched the New York Times Presents little documentary, mini documentary, Why I guess. did you watch it? Who was hosting it? <sighs> <laughs> My man, Joe Coscarelli, who is one of the music editors for the New York Times, Not my fave, John Caramonica, but another really great human whose reviews I always really respect. He does a lot of the interviews where he'll go spend several days with an artist and like really get a behind the scenes look at their process and how they operate, how they write, how they think, like what their actual origin story is. He'll go spend time with artists and do like a whole feature on them. And it's, I was about to say, it's more of a profile where Joe's is like, we're going to break this down musically john you mean john sorry john is breaks similar white dude names jay (laughs) uh and like i feel like he breaks it down almost and gives his opinion on it it's not necessarily you know fact to die by but he's just like this is how i felt right and joe coscarelli gives his opinion too for sure but i think he's just like more interested in i guess getting to know these people and then kind of forming an opinion from there and letting them speak for themselves i guess Mm -hmm. So his interview is actually the one that I talked about on a previous episode. I'm pretty sure this was a while ago that I talked about this on the podcast, but he did a feature on Billie Eilish early on and like went to stay at her family's home in California and was like so shocked at how minimally they lived. They lived in like a a super small house and like one of the bedrooms was Billie's closet. Like he did that whole thing. So that's part of the reason why I was interested to watch this Dominic Fike one, which I saw Joe post on Instagram and I was like oh interesting that he is doing an in-depth thing on this guy because I had never heard of Dominic Fike until probably the end of last year sometime he showed up on a playlist and I think it was the song chicken tenders and I was like okay I'm intrigued (laughs) like sign me up love chicken tenders and it was on like a mellow pop playlist and I was like okay love mellow pop love chicken tenders let's do it so I didn't know anything about him and then he recently really (laughs) hey (laughs) relaxed my louisiana just came out horde he recently released a record this past friday which i really liked and then saw that joe did this feature on him so earlier today i was watching this documentary which is on hulu it's about 30 minutes or so and i was literally so fascinated by this kid's story i had no idea that he was in jail and just like the background that he came from and so you watched this today also I did. And it's it's interesting you found him on a playlist because I did as well, but it was a different song. It was Three Nights. Yeah. And I only know this now after watching the documentary, but I found it on this playlist and it was like, I guess maybe a year ago. And I remember it was like a random, random playlist that I think someone had created, like someone I don't know had created, mm-hmm. but I was looking up like summer beach vibes because I wanted to be at the beach and- I was in Swampy, Tennessee. Mood. Yeah. Um, and this song was on it and that kind of led me down. But he didn't have a lot of songs released, but this was one of the biggest ones. And I was like, oh, the song is a bop. I love it. Yeah. Um, and then that was it. And then I kind of almost forgot about him until he popped up on my new releases uh, on Spotify this past Friday. Or No, I'm sorry. Two Fridays ago. And uh, I listened to the song Vampires, which love so good oh yeah so it didn't come out the 14th it came out the 7th yeah it came out i think it came out the 7th yeah um and it's it was awesome but i had no idea about his story or anything like that and it was almost interesting listening to his best friend talk because he was Mm -hmm. like yeah he was in jail telling me to throw the songs up on soundcloud yeah that's how he got his deal 
Right. Which is so crazy. And I think something they touch on in the documentary too is the power of getting on a good playlist. And that's so funny that we both heard of him that way. Cause it's so true. Yeah. Especially on Spotify. I mean, let's face it, like Spotify playlists are the way that so many people discover new music. It pops up on your next played and you're like, Oh, I've never heard this before, but this song's cool. Right. But yeah. So Dominic came from like a tough background. Both of his parents were involved in like a drug bust and were kind of in and out of jail. Um, and his little brother got into a fight and a police officer was trying to break it up and Dominic pushed the police officer and got arrested. So then he got put on house arrest. So before, before the house arrest, he got arrested and he had already been working on music and told his friend, like you said, to put his songs up on SoundCloud. From jail. It, but then he got arrested, got put on house arrest, but then he was on, it was house arrest with probation and he got a visit from his probation officer. Yeah. And unfortunately he didn't pass his drug test, which sent him to jail, I think for seven months. Yeah. Which is crazy. But yeah, during that time, right. Obviously during house or the house arrest period, he had created a lot of music. That's where he what wrote else could he do? <laughs> three nights. Yeah. yeah. During that time, then went to jail, then had okay. his best friend. He was like, just throw this up. Mm-hmm. And because it was it his birthday up. and he was like, mm-hmm. I want to release music on my birthday. Just put it up there. And his friend who I guess is kind of acting as his manager. It's now? like, I, I think friend slash manager, but I think, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. I think there's like more professional people involved. Yeah. Like, think he's with a management company and like his best friend is like kind of there on the day-to-day stuff yeah but then he has like management company a label now he has you know a professional team in place the whole ordeal yeah yeah so he told his friend to put up the songs on soundcloud and they just the i think he said the first day there were fifty thousand listens which is nuts like i don't understand how he must have had some sort of following leading up to that like in some capacity to get 50,000 listens on SoundCloud. Right. And it, it doesn't, the documentary doesn't really go into that, but it does at least state he doesn't have a big presence on any other kind of like social media outlets. So it was mainly music on SoundCloud that he was getting kind of all of these plays in this clout. Yeah. But like, and his, I think this was in 2016. They said, yeah, but his profiles like on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that weren't built yet, which is super interesting. Cause that means there's a real hunger for the music. Right. Sometimes it's like the music and the personality or just the personality yeah. and that happens to play music. But this is like actually the music. And something I liked that he said in the documentary is he said, I, my thought process was I'm going to make something so good that people can't deny it. Like they can't ignore it. Right. Because success is such a, it's just impossible to reach when you're trying to reach it. Yeah. It's such a fluke for you to be successful. And so at the end of the day, he's like, all I can do is just make something so good that people can't ignore it. And so... He made these songs, had his friend release them, and they their inbox was flooded with requests from managers and labels and all this stuff. And then Homie gets a label deal, fresh out of jail. Yeah. I mean, I think my favorite part of that was that all of these record executives were flying to the jail to yeah. like, take meetings with him. Uh, and like, I guess there's like video conferencing at the Mm -hmm. jail for the phones. Yeah. And that's what they were doing to like take those meetings, which I thought was really interesting. But I, and I feel like that is proof that it's like, if you're creating something that's good, people are going to go to the depths to make it work, Mm -hmm. especially people whose business it is to find good talent. I don't know. I feel like that part made me feel like artists that are like, pushing so 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 hard and like nothing's happening it's like maybe reevaluate what your art is because if it's good people are gonna come right and it it made me to that point almost have like a renewed hope I guess because it is just a focus on the music because I think now so many people are focused on like is my Instagram aesthetic all in place but that should be supplemental to the actual music that shouldn't replace the product you're putting out yeah so that was really refreshing to hear where it was like he had none of that it was literally raw and it was the music which happened to be very good yeah and i think what you said is perfect because instagram and like having a social presence is part of it it does matter but it's not the meat of it if you have sucky music your social doesn't matter it's it's a bonus. It's supplemental, 100% perfectly said. He's awesome. And the album, What Could Possibly Go Wrong, is awesome. It's so um, good. I love Good Game. That's yeah, one of my favorites. Good. 
and chicken tenders, obviously. Yeah. And I still think my favorite on it is vampires. I do love vampires. So good. It's so catchy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just blowing up. And, and I awesome. like to how, well, I simultaneously liked this and it made me sad, but because he came from such a humble start, he's from Florida, like grew up pretty much in poverty and he like feels such a responsibility to take mm-hmm. care of everyone in his life. He's like all my friends who are struggling like now because i have success i can pay their rent because i have success i can make sure that they're good yeah i mean he bought he bought his mom a house when she yeah. got out which is a lot and i think they even said in the documentary as well that it actually affect the label deal that he took oh, which yeah, yeah, yeah. um i guess he was going to get a certain amount for an advance and he he needed more because he found out both of his parents were going to jail so he was like oh they need lawyers and all of this stuff so they started playing the deals off of each other. And I think he landed with Ron Perry at a $4 million deal, which is pretty insane. And he has to recoup all of that, which should be noted. But yeah. still, he was probably able to help his family out. Doing and that. I liked how they touched on that in the documentary, too, is how that works. Because a lot of people don't understand how label deals right. work. They're like, oh, that guy has $4 million in right. his pocket. And it's like, no, that's mm. in advance. Like, he has to use that to do all the things that he has to do as... right an artist on this label now. And so part of what he was talking about, he's like, well, yeah, now I have this and I have the music. He's like, now I have to tour. I have to like (laughs) make money and tour, which is especially sad now thinking about how all these artists who are dependent upon that for making back their money can't do that right now. Right. And I thought it was interesting because a lot of documentaries don't, or I guess to your point, media doesn't cover it that much, but once you take out everyone's cut of that $4 million, it's not that he has $4 million. Totally. He's probably left with a lot less. So that's important to note too. So to your point, the touring is that much more important now. Yeah, for sure. I liked it though. It really made me like him as a person. And I feel the same way as when I first, I always liked Billie Eilish, but I didn't get the hype until I saw videos of her interacting with people and her just like talking and kind of getting a feel for who she is and that made me like her so much more and I feel the same way about Dominic like watching this made me respect him so much more and like him so much more because I'm like he seems like a good guy he literally is just creative what his music is rap it's indie it's pop it's so many different things that similar to what we talked about in our last episode, so many people are like scared to cross those boundaries Mm -hmm. and he's not at all. And it's working so well because a lot of those genres, I think resonate with young people and young people like the pushing the boundaries kind of thing, you know, a hundred percent. And he even, I think he plays acoustic guitar too. in a couple of his songs, which is awesome. He's cool. We love, we stand. If you've never heard of him, we recommend you go listen to vampire and good game and three nights three nights and chicken tenders and chicken tenders three nights was on barack obama's playlist when oh, it came yeah, out yeah they mentioned that so if you trust barry go give it a listen oh good old barry <laughs> we miss you bud come back well speaking of gigs right because he can't tour and he talked about it was a major portion of his income there was the first big major social social distance concert am i saying that correctly in the uk that happened this past week with sam fender yeah which was really interesting i didn't know that sam fender was the artist who played this show but i saw so many photos of like an aerial maybe not an aerial shot but like a panorama shot Mm -hmm. of all the crowd because basically the way it kind of looked to me was like at an amphitheater the section where there are like tables that are blocked off usually for like they're like box seats almost but for an amphitheater you know what i'm talking about yeah it looks like that like it's just a sectioned off area where only you and your crew could sit correct but i will add with distance in between because those are the ones at the amphitheater are right next to each other these like actually had space which was really cool and i didn't realize it was sam fender either until someone was like yeah that's that's what happened but it was mind-blowing kind of to see that. But I I think a lot of questions, and I saw a headline about it, was why isn't the U.S. doing this? Um, I guess we should put in, like, you know, the footnotes. The virus is a little out of control here. A little bit. A little bit. Just a little bit for all of our international listeners, um, which I'm sure all of you know the U.S. Um, is not thriving right now. 
but we have the space because we have a ton yeah. of amphitheaters. I mean, maybe even at stadiums, you could do it. That's true. Depending on, I guess, the setup. My only thought was like the little pods that they have set up. I wonder if like rentals for that kind of stuff, maybe it's expensive and maybe people don't have the funds to like put up for that up front. Right. But you could bait like the show in the Sam Fender show was sold out, wasn't it? It was. I think it was 2,500 people and he sold it. He sold two nights. So clearly there's a demand for it. Like you could bake it into a ticket price. People are so hungry for live music right now that they're willing to, if you can provide a a safe experience, I think they would pay more for that. So you could bake in the price of whatever those rentals would be. And I was curious too. I don't know if you had heard anything about it, like what the logistics of it look like, because yeah, you're in this pod, but at some point you go get a drink or at some point you go to the bathroom I was just curious how it was set up and I didn't see that. Did you? No, I was wondering Mm. about that too, because surely there's a line for the bathroom. Surely you're bumping Mm -hmm. into people on your way to get drinks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And maybe it was a BYOB thing. I don't know, but I wonder what the security was like in order to keep people separate outside of those pods that I don't know. Right. And maybe that's part of the reason why we haven't done it yet is because we can't figure that out. I don't know. But if you think about it, I mean, the drive-in is the same kind of concept because minus the the beverages Mm -hmm. because it's BYOB I think at most of the drive-in places but well that may not be true for like the live nation shows but they still have bathrooms set up so you're still leaving your car or your car like bubble right to go use it so just interesting it is and I'm curious to see if they do find ways to do that here I think as we move into like fall and winter though it would have to be at like a stadium or something Mm because eventually we're not going to be able to do that outdoors. I mean, in Nashville specifically, it stays warm pretty long, but once it gets colder, yeah, I don't know how that'll work. I don't know. work. Love to see it. Also, it's so surprising that it was Sam Fender. Like, I don't know that much about him. He's kind of one of those artists that I've heard his name. I've heard some of his songs, but I don't know that much about him. So Likewise. clearly he's a bigger deal in the UK than he is here. Yeah. I mean, and uh, to your point though, I think people are itching for live music. So it may, yeah. may not matter, but good on him. Good Anya. So there are a few a few stories that I wanted to talk about, all with a, a similar theme. And that theme is TikTok. It's I'm our obsessed. Motif I know. For the year, if 100%. you will. hundred percent. Honestly, I think like TikTok is probably gonna be one of the most used words or phrases of twenty twenty. hundred percent. It's just blown I agree up with that. since March, especially. Well, and it's been in the media a lot it's lately. In the media a lot lately because Trump has been talking about banning TikTok for a while now because it is a Chinese owned company. And there's a lot of speculation about how they're spying on us and just getting too much information from us and not safely securing that information and blah, 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 right. etc. Major privacy concerns and then privacy concerns coupled with an election year is no bueno for the president. Totally. <laughs> Which I saw a funny tweet. It was like, oh yeah, just give that info to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram anyway. It's <laughs> right. like, it's, they have just as much information. I know. Well, that was the point I was making to you. I was like, yes, I'm concerned about it. But at the same time, Google knows everything I do at every single yeah. point in time during the day. Here's the thing though. I do feel like TikTok is a very, it's an app where you have your guard down. Like you don't feel like you're in from, you're not necessarily putting in your information. Like you're not typing in statuses. You're not Mm -hmm. uploading photos. I mean, you're uploading videos, but the thing is you're liking so much content that like I freely am just throwing out likes on all these videos. Cause I want to like be able to reference back to them when they're like on the heart page on my TikTok. Right. You're just liking all this stuff. And the app is gathering so much information on you based on what you like. Cause that's how their quote unquote algorithm works to where on your for you page, it's like, okay, well yesterday you liked a video that had hashtag Christian. And the day before that you liked a video that was about country music. And the day before that you liked a video that was about Nashville. So I assume that you're a Christian in Nashville who likes country music, who also liked, so like they just know, so much about you based on the things that you're liking that you don't realize because your guard is down. You're like, I'm not right. It's essentially they're building user profiles for their entire database based on like the videos you upload or what you like based on, I guess their algorithm. Yeah. So it's scary. They have details down to 
okay, you like beauty, you like fashion, you like music, but mm-hmm. not just music. You like pop music and you like right. original music. It's, it's very so specific. specific. Yeah. But also like that being said on Instagram, if you, I forget how to find it exactly, but if you go into ads in your settings, there's a list of ads that are specifically targeted to you and you can see what the word, what the keywords are. And like, what's the difference? I will say though, I don't know about Instagram on Twitter and Twitter has been kind of at the forefront of it, but in terms of privacy, they have asked if you want personalized ads versus generic ads. And I think that's based on tracking you and what you like on their platform I don't know if Instagram does the same thing and gives you the option essentially to turn off personalized ads. And I, and I also don't know, I should be very specific if that means that they're not tracking that. If you turn it off, for example, on Twitter, do they still have that somewhere, but you're just not seeing on the user kind of interface that, that ad, but they still have that data more or less. I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know that either. And I do understand that obviously China or like another country having that information on obviously U.S. citizens. I understand the concern, but it's like there are so many other apps and websites that we're using that they're having that info from anyway. And I mean, if we're going to reference, you know, all of the um, privacy concerns, that's that was the whole scandal. And I'm not trying to get into a political debate, but with Cambridge Analytica and yeah. Facebook and Facebook's a domestic company. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yes, I, I agree with all of the concerns, but at the same time, I'm like, literally, if anyone hacks into my computer again on Google, like they know where I'm like, where I live and where I'm searching for directions, probably yeah. where I go to the grocery store based on location tracking on my phone. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so it's one of those things, but it is interesting I don't like videos on TikTok. I just scroll through. But like you, my siblings have liked it. And they said the algorithm is so good Mm -hmm. that they're fed videos that they truly love. Like my brother likes a lot of prank videos. And he says it's just an endless supply. And it's really good content, essentially. Um, It's almost like he equated it to Netflix recommendations, but being like the perfect recommendations instead of just like, yeah, there's a few that are really good, but then there's like some duds in there. No, it really is is like that. Yeah. Like I found myself, like people started to make videos making jokes about that where they're like, hello, you've made it to TikTok for people who are over 30 who like Fleetwood Mac. And you're like, I I am over 30 and I like Fleetwood Mac. How did you know? Right. Yeah. yeah, How did I get here? But it really does work that way. But also I think too, I could be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that even if you aren't liking videos, it judges which videos you watch the full length of. Oh, wow. So if you're tuned in for almost the full video or a full video of something, I think it will factor that in. But but that makes sense because the DSPs like Spotify and Apple can determine your skip rate on songs. Exactly. So if yeah. you're able to do that on audio, I would assume you're able to do that on video as well. For sure. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. I that know. is super scary to think about. So, tr- so Microsoft is in talks of purchasing TikTok right now. I believe that Trump gave microsoft 40 uh, yeah. days I, I think it might have been 90 days okay um but to purchase essentially a deadline yeah that the deal has to be done um so that i guess and i don't know what the terms are because tiktok is part of bite dance right so it's breaking off the u.s portion of the business and essentially selling that portion to microsoft mm-hmm. i i just don't know the logistics of it all right but i think it's so that quote unquote, it's domestic, even though if it's still tied into the larger company, it would still have a presence in China. It'll be interesting to see if the deal actually goes through. I Um, think it will. And I know for a fact that TikTok has hired a lot of, and I think we talked about this on our TikTok episode even, but they've been hiring a lot of people in the US specifically based out of California and a lot of C-level employees. And they're not, they're going to do everything in their power to obviously keep those people here and keep it running. So I think it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. So I I agree with you on that. And I think also another interesting point was, I think it was in the news recently, but TikTok users in the U S I guess a third of them are under the age of 14 years old. That is so wild to me. Well, it's crazy too. Cause if you think about it from an advertising standpoint, right? Like I think Instagram and Facebook make you quote unquote you're supposed to be 13 to use that platform 
And I don't think there's any age restrictions on TikTok. I think you have to be 13. Oh, you do? I'm pretty sure. But, I mean, then there's clearly, right, there's people that have to be lying about it because there's no way that a third of users are 13 to 14 years old. Again, I could be wrong, but I just, that's a massive number to be just within, I guess. A two-year span. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, but it is like the most popular with those age groups, at least was most popular with that age group before quarantine started. Right. Now that's changed a lot, but I mean, it's, that's their main user group. Also, something interesting is that Instagram released their competitor for TikTok and it's called Reels. Reels. Yeah. And I'm super interested to see how it goes. So it's, it's interesting the way that they rolled it out. They rolled out Reels to influencers and people with a lot of followers and they let them upload a bunch of content before they rolled it out to everyone else so that there were actually videos on Reels because I think they knew a lot of people would be hesitant to post on it. Right. The rollout hasn't been great so far. Like people aren't really liking it so much. Literally all it's been so far that I've seen is people's TikTok videos Mm -hmm. being re-uploaded to Reels. I feel like everyone's afraid of change and probably what's going to happen is exactly what happened to Instagram stories, which is when Instagram stories first came out, everyone was like, oh no, we love Snapchat. We don't use stories. Like anyone who posts on stories is a loser. Right. (laughs) And then eventually everyone moved over and now everyone uses stories and no one uses Snapchat. Some people do, but way less. No, it's like a slow migration essentially for like early adapters and I guess the mid tier and then the slow, but yeah, but I, part of, I remember thinking the same thing too with Snapchat and Instagram or like on Snapchat, I was way more likely to post something that I wouldn't ever post on Instagram stories now. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, only certain people are seeing this. It's a very limited audience. I can be like goofier or post something that's stupid and not worry about the curation of it all. Right. And I feel like that's the same thing with TikTok. TikTok is such a, it has its own culture. Like it has its own jokes and its own songs and its own thing to where people will post stuff on TikTok that they don't want their Instagram followers to necessarily see, you know? I'll add to that. And I was thinking about that as well, but I think it's in in my mind, it's because on Instagram, you have family, Mm -hmm. you have your friends who are like probably the, the group you don't care if they see the goofy side of you, but you also have like your coworkers and like people in your network, not necessarily like on the LinkedIn level, but it's still like that next. It's like first you connect on LinkedIn, then you start a job and then, Oh, now you're Instagram friends, which used to be, I guess like, Oh, we were Facebook friends, which since now no one uses Facebook in terms of like, I guess our age group, I think it's like moms and dads. Yeah, people use it, but you don't, you add people that you legitimately know pretty well, I feel like at this point. Right. Now it's like you meet someone and they're like, cool, what's your Instagram? Right. I don't want someone immediately going to my Instagram and seeing the shit I post on TikTok. Right. But but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like that, and that's, I feel like Instagram used to be that and then it became like this huge wave. So now you have like all of those different networks in one spot looking at your page. So you have to be almost manicured in what you post. Right. Where in Snapchat, you're like, yeah, these are just me and my dumb friends that are on this (laughs) because like my boss is not going to be on this or I'm also not going to snap my boss this picture of me chugging like a drink right now. Yeah. You know? And I think part of it too is like, Instagram is so easily searchable. It's Mm -hmm. so much harder to find someone. I mean, it's not that hard, obviously, but like it's, it's, you have to go way more out of your way to find someone on TikTok. A hundred percent. And I feel like they tried to do it with those like close friends stories. And it just, it's like, you got to make sure it's the right close friends and all of that. So I agree with you. I'm just curious, like if that migration will actually happen, especially for TikTok, because before reels, right? People were posting their TikTok video to Instagram. Now it's a matter of just posting that same video but under the reels umbrella yeah and I don't know if I see it really working but I do think that it was probably Facebook Instagram was hoping that Trump banned it so then everyone would have to move to reels Mm -hmm. it was so funny going on TikTok right when the news came out that Trump was like thinking about banning it all of the TikTok creators were just weeping crying and their videos were like I'm so sad to lose this platform go follow me on instagram go follow me on twitter go follow me on youtube and i was like this is insane yeah 
but like, honestly if you think about it it's the same thing as like vine like there were vine stars like there are people who mm-hmm. grew out of stardom because of posting vines it's the same thing with tiktok there are so many tiktok creators who are only famous for being on tiktok and if they lose that what else what do, do they, they have? have yeah you're right and it's interesting to see this may lead us into another topic but someone who has a strong following on instagram that doesn't necessarily translate into tiktok oh, yeah. in a sense that their tiktok following could be massive and i'm talking like the difference between a hundred thousand followers on instagram versus like millions of likes on tiktok and i'm curious i guess mainly to ask you is it a different audience or is it just instagram's an investment like by clicking to follow it's like i'm gonna see updates of your life in my feed where tiktok is just like the video and that's it you know what i mean it's almost fleeting in that sense that was kind of leading us into another topic yeah i don't know i feel like i feel like it probably depends what their shtick is right you know it's like if you're a dancer you're doing a lot of tiktok dances i probably don't want to follow you on instagram because i'm not following you on tiktok to like see photos of you like showing me your outfit right or like whatever you're doing with your you friends you want to see the actual see video dancing yeah or or if somebody's like really funny on tiktok doing like comedy bits you're probably not doing that on instagram so i don't necessarily want to follow you it's like you different know, content. Yeah. It's different content. So it doesn't always translate. I think a lot of people who are on TikTok now are pushing their other mediums so much and like really focusing on like hiring photographers to come take photos of them at their like mm-hmm. TikTok houses and all this stuff because they're trying to grow that because they know obviously Instagram's not going anywhere. YouTube's not going anywhere. So they're like, if something were to happen to TikTok, at least I have a backup. Yeah, and I found it to that point interesting as well that in bios, a lot of times it'll have on TikTok, they'll have their Instagram handle. And then sometimes on Instagram, it's like, you know, the reverse and they'll have their TikTok handle, which I'm like, oh, okay, you're like essentially cross promoting, which is interesting because clearly that person or whoever thinks is a different audience. Yeah. And it may be based on like what you're saying. And a lot of them on TikTok, you can directly link your Instagram and your YouTube. So a lot of them do drive traffic to those places. And a lot of them have been focusing on like making YouTube with other TikTok creators too. So then they're like, oh, Bryce Hall, who's one of the big TikTokers made a video with Taylor Holder. So then they're both posting about to like with some clickbaity title to come watch this video. It's like a duet. (laughs) Yeah. And now they have millions of subscribers on YouTube, which also is making them money. Uh, which is another big part of it too. Whereas like you can get Instagram sponsorships, but I think more so people are getting money from YouTube ads and all that stuff. Dude, it's nuts. Speaking of those TikTokers though, I just wanted to briefly say Bryce Hall is one of the like most followed. Not, I don't even know who that is. He's this kid on TikTok. He just turned 21 a couple days ago. He has a ton of followers. He's in one of the big TikTok houses. He's in, uh, the sway house which is one of the basically fraternities of tiktok just a bunch of like jackass kids doing stupid stuff so his tiktok channel has 12.8 million followers and his youtube channel has 2.7 million he's 21 casual so he just turned 21 like a couple days ago or something and threw a party which these kids have been throwing parties nonstop in LA. So all these TikTokers live in LA. A lot of them live in the same houses. They're like creator houses where they just make content with each other and act like fools. They threw this huge party with strippers. There were, it looked like thousands of people at this party, shoulder to shoulder, no masks in sight. And this is not the first party that they've had in the past couple of weeks. And like, they keep getting canceled. Like everyone is roasting them, commenting on all their videos about coronavirus. And apparently the police in LA have like threatened to shut off their power and water if they keep doing it. Right. So the uh, mayor Garcetti in LA said that anyone throwing parties now will get their power and water shut off. And then I was just going to add to that. If you Google Bryce Hall, it says Bryce Hall is canceled. And it's because because of this birthday party. And I guess he was dating Addison Rae, who's another star, because her name comes up. 
I think she's the second most followed person on TikTok in general. Okay. She has like almost, oh, I don't know the exact number, so I don't want to say. Well, a- according to the Googles, 55.4 million followers on TikTok. So you want to hear something crazy? 55.4. I'm pretty sure she's the second most followed. The first or the most followed person on TikTok is Charlie D'Amelio, who has 78 and counting every day. She always does a video being like, thanks for 75 million. And then like two days later, she'll be like, thanks for 76 million. It is so hard to comprehend a million people in two days went to her TikTok and followed her. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm reading the Addison Ray, I guess, statistics. She's accumulated... Uh, and I don't know how long this period is, but over, I guess, the course of being on TikTok, 3.3 billion likes with a B. That's insane. So I just, I just looked up Charlie's. She has 79.9 million followers and 5.8 billion likes. That. And here's the thing. These two girls are on dance TikTok. Like they just dance and not even that spectacularly. No offense. I love them both. They're adorable. But like. And Charlie's 16. Mm-hmm. 16. Yep. Wow. It's insane. And. I feel so old right now. I, I, I like. I don't even know how to react to that really. And they don't. I think Addison is 17 or 18. But like they don't look their age at all. Yeah. 19. Close. But okay. I mean yeah. still the teens. They look so much older than they are. I mean my mind is kind of blown. Yeah. But if you really are. Um bored in quarantine like I have been you could just get really involved in all the tiktoker drama because it is something new every day and they're like 16 and 17 year olds but like I shamelessly read all about it (laughs) I love it it's fascinating because they're all dating each other there's like messy breakups as there are when you're 16 (laughs) right and who needs the OC and gossip girl when you have tiktok drama seriously like but also, could you imagine going through a breakup at 16 and 80 million people are watching you? I can't think of anything worse than that. No, they're they're going to need therapy. Absolutely. Yeah. So Charlie and Addison both just came out with really big brand deals. So Charlie just released a collection with Morphe, the makeup. Okay. So there's like a whole line that her and her sister are the face of. Wow. And then Addison released her own makeup brand charlie and her sister are also now have a huge campaign i think with american eagle or levi's like some jeans brand they're making bukus of money like it's crazy are we doing it wrong a hundred percent we doing it wrong down yeah, like, here i quit i'm just gonna like get in a time machine and go yeah, back be done wow but i think what's interesting about both of those girls too is that their families are super involved in their lives and in their TikToks and stuff. Like their their moms will like join in on dances with them and stuff. But like you can tell the way that they act and like the trouble that they get themselves into or the lack of trouble that they get themselves into is so clear that like their families are involved as compared to some of these kids who like are living on their own in LA at 17 years old and are getting themselves into absolute messes because they're just not being supervised right. and no one's telling them like, hey, this is probably a stupid decision. This is probably not a smart thing you should be doing. So I just think that's interesting that like the two most successful have super involved parents. Also, parents are making a paycheck for sure. Right. So that's part of the reason. But You mean momagers. Yeah, pretty much. Right. But both of those families too are in talks for reality shows. Oh my gosh. So I wouldn't be surprised if like 2021 you see a keeping up with the Kardashians vibe with either of those families on like E or Bravo while watching their TikToks. Simultaneously. Well, you'll see like the behind the scenes of like them filming them, but wow. them also like keeping in touch with the creator communities and also like going to brand deal meetings. Is, and it's just so nuts. My mind is just blown. It's such a crazy platform. They didn't, I don't know. I feel like they just didn't do anything People just happened to like them. Like there's something about them that people just gravitated towards for whatever reason. Like they're not doing anything spectacular. Blows my mind. They're both adorable and cute and whatever, but like it's wild. It's marketable. It's wild. So another thing I just wanted to mention is a song that recently hit number one on the iTunes charts because of 
these videos that went viral on TikTok. So the artist is named Priscilla Block. Uh, she is, I think, a 20-something year old girl who lives in Nashville. And she started to kind of get popularity on TikTok after she released a song called Thick Thighs. And she just was like... <laughs> girl power country on TikTok, people started liking it. So recently, I think it was a couple weeks ago now, she released a song called Just About Over You. So she originally posted this song, I think back in July. I was looking back to the first video where she said, she had kind of been teasing it to her TikTok followers being like, oh, here's a part of this song I'm writing. If you guys like, if you if enough people like this, I'll record it. If enough people like it, I'll do this. Kind of like the Avenue Beat girls. Exactly. Okay. So she posted in July. Oh, I just posted this full version up on my IGTV. Go listen to it. Tell me what you guys think. This video had 5,300 likes. Nothing crazy on TikTok. So she kept posting. There are probably 30 plus videos on TikTok where she was hyping up this song and her videos kept going viral about mm -hmm. it. And when her song dropped... It was number one on all genre charts. That's on insane. ITunes. It's nuts because she doesn't have that much of a... I think she had like 40,000 followers on Instagram, which is pretty good for sure. But she was above Harry Styles on the iTunes charts. That is Above crazy. Watermelon Sugar. That is crazy. And it's literally all because of TikTok. And that I feel like that was such a moment where I was like, holy crap. TikTok is influencing the way that people are finding music. And it's like giving people an inside scoop into people's personalities. And so people are attracted to the personality. And so then they're attracted to the music. The power of the fact that it was number one means that like all these people, not all, not only all these people were liking the videos on TikTok, they were going to buy the song. Yeah. I was going to say it almost like flips the conversation we were talking about so that it's the reverse and it's the personality and the lifestyle is built first. And they're like, oh, cool. I'll probably enjoy the music versus mm -hmm. just having the music out. And saying, okay, do I like this or not without knowing anything else? Yeah. And this kind of flips that paradigm on its head. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about. And now, because I, I think we were chatting about it. I just saw a bunch of media and then there was the left sets letter. And then I was like, what? It, like, who is this person? I have no idea. Yeah. Who so it the is. left sets letter was all about her. Yeah. And how it changed everything. And right. now I feel like labels and even managers and agencies are scouring TikTok to find out who's going to be the next big thing because it's almost like a test market at your fingertips to yeah. see okay you have a and r i guess traditionally at a label which you know they sit in a room and do whatever they do and you service it to radio now it's like okay i'm going to post this snippet on TikTok or instagram see if you guys like it if you don't like it then we won't put it out and we'll put one out that you do like yeah it just changes the game it really do. All right, fam. That's all we got for you today. That's the tea. That's all you need to know of what's happening right now. Thanks for listening. As always, please like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, if you could leave us a five-star review, we would really appreciate that. Tell a friend about the Music Buzz. Follow us on Instagram at MusicBuzzPod. And if you really, really love this episode, leave us the salsa lady emoji on our latest Instagram post. We out. <laughs> Bye. Bye.